0: The New York State Office of Addiction Services and Supports, or OAS, provides this podcast as a public service. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the agency or state. This is Addiction, The Next Step.
1: Welcome to Addiction, The Next Step. I'm Jerry Gretzinger, your host. You know, we've uh, spent a few episodes talking about naloxone, Narcan, it's a medication that can reverse an opioid overdose and is available as a nasal spray or an intramuscular injection. And the thing is, it can be administered by anyone, even people who don't have medical training. However, we do strongly recommend that people go through a training. And it can happen online or in person Naloxone trainers are people who are certified to teach others how to properly use naloxone. And we have Mandy and Chris here now with us. Uh, Thank you both uh, for joining us today on the podcast.
0: Yes, thank you for having us.
1: Good to be here. And you know, I I think this is interesting because I I actually first met our team of trainers at the New York State Fair, which happens every August into September. Um, And it was my first time to see the work that you guys do. And it's really remarkable. So we're going to get into what you do, how you do it, how people kind of connect if they want trainings, whether they're their organization or school. But I want to kind of get some background. I know each of you has uh, your own reasons for why this is what you're doing. And Mandy, why don't don't we start with you? Talk to me about, you know, kind of what brought you to Oasis? What has you working as a a trainer for us?
0: Sure. So I don't think there's really a straight path that leads you to this position, as Chris will probably agree. Our paths are very different, but that's true of a lot of people who end up in this role. Um, so my my path has been very personal. I have family in recovery and family who has overdosed. Um, and that led me to seek out a class like this. And this was many years ago. Classes were a little bit different then. Um, it and was, you mean a
1: training class, it right? It was, for, yeah. yeah.
0: So it was actually put on um, by law enforcement at the time. And I'm sure that they were lovely. I can't really remember the training as it was a while ago, um, but I decided it was not enough information for me. So I decided to go on to become an EMT. And after about a year-ish of working in that role, I decided I wanted to continue on and become a paramedic. So after working in that role for a while, um, I actually came across this position, this posting for New York State Oasis, and it really sounded like it was kind of written for me,
1: yeah.
0: Um, so I applied, thinking there's no way I'll even get a call back, and I did.
1: But uh, that's great. That's great. And uh, I, I, like you said, interesting that there's no one path that leads everybody here. And I mean that that that's tremendous. I mean, you have your own personal experience, and then the work that you did, EMT, paramedic, and it brought you here. Um. yeah, I, I bet that position seemed like it was written just for you, right?
0: Yeah, it
2: definitely did.
1: All right. And, and Chris, let me ask you now. So what kind of brought you into this line of work, working with, with Mandy and with Oasis here?
2: Yeah, like Mandy, I have loved ones who I've lost to overdose. I can uh, easily count seven people, friends of mine, one of my best friends. Steve lost to overdose as well as others. Uh, and I started my studies in a PhD program in science and technology studies at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in Mm -hmm. Troy, uh, focusing on the opioid crisis and the overdose crisis and how that intersected with COVID pandemic. Uh, So for the past three years, I've conducted qualitative research interviews with addiction medicine providers Mm -hmm. and people with lived experience on the topic of accessing medication like Suboxone uh, for the treatment of opioid use disorder during COVID-19 using telemedicine. And so my research is really focused on the intersections of how telemedicine for opioid use disorder intersects with structural barriers, social stigma, class, race, gender, ethnicity, disability, LGBTQ status. And I, I really wanna help serve marginalized populations, people who find it very difficult to access treatment uh, by listening carefully to how they understand their own experiences Mm -hmm. at trying to access treatment Mm -hmm. and bring those narratives uh, to policymakers and professionals in addiction medicine and, and people here at OASIS to help us to understand more deeply how stigma and structural barriers like health insurance or criminal justice involvement can impede access to treatment or how other um, uh, kind of tools can open doors for people to access treatment. And so my role here as an overdose prevention and naloxone trainer at OASIS allows me to work in direct service with people, including people who are in uh, treatment themselves. Uh, We go to soup kitchens, we're talking with people who have saved lives themselves mm-hmm. using naloxone, Narcan, uh, who, who have been saved themselves, yeah. and, and and they have a lot of praise for our work. They they can see the value of our work. I can continue to integrate some of these research insights uh, into my work yep. along with my colleagues.
1: And, you know, and I think it's interesting. So you you both just kind of explained how you wound up here doing this, and the first thing you both talked about was your personal experience, you know, yep. lived experience with loved ones, friends. Who've overdosed uh, and and had to be maybe had the overdose reversed with Narcan naloxone, whatever it may be, but so here you are today, and I let's what I want to do is make sure that everybody who's out there listening understands what we're talking about. So when we say naloxone or Narcan, it's essentially the same thing. One's a brand name, and this is I'll I'll let you guys explain it because you're the experts. What what does naloxone do?
0: So naloxone is an opioid antagonist, and it's able to reverse the effects of a potential opioid overdose. It does this pretty quickly. Uh, the medication that we hand out is the four milligram in 0.1 ml um, intranasal version. So it mm-hmm. goes into the nose. Very, very easy for uh, people who have no medical background to utilize and to understand. So that's what we hand out.
1: And, and so, you know, from your explanation and what I know of it, and hopefully from what most people are, have become aware of about how, how it works, it really, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, you've got someone who's in the middle of an active overdose, and this, this substance, this naloxone, Narcan, has the ability to essentially save their life and uh, otherwise where they could lose their life.
2: That's right. People tell us uh, regularly about stories about how they were trying to help this person with CPR for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Nothing was working. Rescue breathing, chest compressions. Somebody comes along with a naloxone, Narcan, and all of a sudden this person is breathing. All of a sudden, they're walking. So it can really look like a miracle kind of drug, mm-hmm. uh, bringing back somebody who who looks as if they are dead. Uh, and and it can work in two or three minutes. It can take up to eight minutes. Uh, and so that's part of the details that we get into during our training.
1: And so now we talk about training. And so that's my next thought is somebody out there who's hearing this, that there's this thing called naloxone or Narcan, if it's the first time they're hearing it. And they're thinking, okay, wow, this has the, the power to reverse an overdose, to save someone's life. Initially, they may think, well, this has to be pretty complicated. I mean, if you've got the power to save somebody like this, there must be an awful lot that goes into it. How could I ever possibly hope to trust myself to to administer that to someone? But that that is where trainers come in correct me if I'm wrong but once you've gone through the training you can really make such a huge impact and it's it's not that complex a procedure right
0: yes that's right it is a pretty straightforward training um, and we cover a lot more than just how to use naloxone Mm -hmm. in our training uh, we have a lot of questions from the community, from all different, as Chris kind of mentioned earlier, all different uh, groups within the community. But this touches just so many people. So we'll have questions about stigma. We'll have questions about, you know, what is opioid use disorder? How could that occur? Why would someone um, who uses opioids develop that? Why would someone who uses opioids not develop that? Um, so there's a lot more that goes into it. But we are always going to, I'm going to kind of back up to the last question oh, yeah, really yeah. quick. Um, we are always advocate during our training to also um, become CPR first aid trained, any type of stop the bleed, anything like that, um, because these are the emergency situations where the people who are going to have the greatest impact on that person's life are whoever's next to them. So it's fantastic that you can have first responders that you're gonna call and they're gonna get there as soon as they can. What really makes the difference is the person who's right next to that person. So we're gonna always advocate that. We really push for our uh, our attendees to consider that training mm-hmm. as well. And a lot of those types of trainings will be offered free in your communities as
1: well. Yeah, well, I think you know any type of additional preparedness people can have certainly makes a huge difference. So let, let's say somebody doesn't necessarily have that, they haven't gone through CPR training, but they, they are hearing this now and thinking okay well i don't know should, should i be uh, trained for naloxone should i should i be carrying it around with me so somebody comes up to you and asks that question at a training oh is this for me how do you answer that question
2: absolutely i mean uh witnessing an opioid overdose can really happen to anybody at this point i had a person at a training she carried her narcan in her car good thing because she pulled into a gas station guy was overdosing in the bathroom She saved his life while they were waiting for the ambulance. And that sort of thing, it can be your neighbor. It can be your loved one who's simply not being open and forthcoming about their substance consumption. It can be a grade A student who's taking Adderall, is a prescription medication, and some of the high schoolers and college students take it as a, quote, study drug, and now they're getting fake Counterfeit Adderall, produced illegally, looks like the real Adderall. They're taking this pill to get good grades. They want to get good grades. And we are finding, we are seeing people die of overdose, straight-A students. So it can really strike. Uh, mm. it, we're finding it in all sorts of powders and pills, whether it's cocaine, crack cocaine, methamphetamine, ecstasy, molly, MDMA, you name it. Uh, we we are finding it in all of these uh, different places that we didn't really find it, say, 20 years
1: ago. And, you know, as you were giving that that information there, it made me think about what Mandy was just saying about how we always encourage people to also be CPR trained, right? Because CPR, you, you do that not knowing if you'll ever need it, but just in case. If you're ever in a position where somebody needs that sort of help, you, you're trained, you know how to do it. Same thing with naloxone, Narcan. Somebody, like you were just saying, Chris, It could be anybody, anywhere, a student, a relative, a neighbor, but you have it just in the case that you're in the right place at the right time to help someone.
2: That's right. And uh, let me not forget to mention the cases of pediatric overdose. So we're talking about children, often younger than one year old. They find a pill that was dropped there on the floor. Grandma dropped her opioid pill months ago. Everybody forgot about it. Looks like candy. Child eats the pill. Baby overdoses, parent finds a toddler very confused, why is my baby not breathing? She, they, we can give Naloxone Narcan to a baby if we find the golden rule, if we find somebody passed out limp, not breathing at all or not breathing well, we're going to yell at them. Hey, are you okay? I have Narcan. They don't answer me. Now I'm going to do a sternum grind, hard rubbing my knuckles on their chest. They still don't respond. That's a clear signal. This person is truly unresponsive. I am authorized, it's medically appropriate to give them naloxone, Narcan while I'm waiting for the ambulance. I could save a life if they are overdosing, and if they're not overdosing, I'm not going to hurt them. I'm not going to do anything bad to them.
1: You you kind of addressed two of my uh, questions I was going to ask just now. One of them was uh, about, okay, so what age is appropriate for naloxone, Narcan administration? You said even on a baby, I mean, so this is something that's approved for use regardless of age? That's correct, yes. Okay, so that that's great to know because, as you said, infant small child finds something who knows. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, people may wonder: okay, if I if I do give this to someone, what if what if they're not an active overdose? What if it's something else? What if I misinterpreted the signs? Is, is there any harm that they're potentially doing?
0: Right, that's a great question. Um, naloxone's been around since the '70s, so it's really well studied. Um, So we feel very safe in saying it's a very safe medication. That's definitely one of the reasons it's being handed out so widely, um, that we have a really nice safety net with this medication. If we give it to someone who doesn't need it, we haven't done um, any harm necessarily. However, we're always gonna recommend calling 911 and getting that person medical attention, especially today where we see, as Chris mentioned, a variety of things being mixed together sometimes, a variety of substances, possibly substances being present that people are not aware of. Naloxone is not gonna reverse the effects of everything That could have been ingested. It's specifically targeting opioids. So if there's something else mixed in, for example, right now we're seeing xylazine. Mm. um, That's been all over the media, um, and that's true. And naloxone is not going to reverse the effects of xylazine. It is not an opioid.
1: Right, right. So, so I, as you talk about that too, I think okay. So you just said. We also tell them to call 911. So what, what are the other elements of a training? I know we can't do a full training, you know, strictly audio-based because you need to see what's being done and, and show people how it works. But what, what are the other things that are important for people to know if they, if they carry naloxone? Let's start with, you know, what signs do you look for?
0: Sure. So um, we'd be looking for someone who's unresponsive. Um, and unfortunately, someone who's unresponsive could look like someone who's sleeping. Mm-hmm. So it can be, you know, checking in on people. If you have a loved one and you're concerned, um, we're going to try to wake them up. And if they are not responding to you waking them up, then as Chris mentioned, we're going to do the sternal rub on them, um, which is a little bit easier to visualize uh, with a the visual there but um
1: well kind of you know i just because sometimes we can paint a picture sure. right sternal rub like what do you what, how does that so work you're going to make it? a fist with your no? four
0: knuckles okay. and put your four knuckles into the person's uh breastbone so their sternum it's like All the right. upper half of your chest yeah. and you're going to rub up and down hard for five to ten seconds yeah. um, and this is meant to be painful this is meant to get a response from that person okay. right if you were responsive you would want that to stop it doesn't feel good so if we don't get a response to that or if we get a minimal response to that, maybe like a moan or a groan or something like that, if they don't stop that from happening, yeah. um, then we're able to determine that that person is unresponsive and we can continue on with, you know, assessing further, um, you know, are they breathing? If, if you're CPR trained, you could certainly, this would be an appropriate time to check for a pulse.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, if you're not CPR trained, it's okay to continue on and say that person's unresponsive. I'm going to call 911 and administer naloxone.
1: I think when someone's in that situation, they see someone who's unresponsive, let's say they try that, that sternal rub, okay, and they, they get no response, and then maybe they don't know CPR. What's What's the checklist before they say, all right, I'm taking out the Narcan, I'm taking out the naloxone, I'm using it?
2: That is the checklist, Jerry. We're going to yell at them before we touch them. That's a good idea. I'm going to tell them I have Narcan. People who are regular opioid users, Typically, no, they don't want Narcan. They're going to go into withdrawal after they get Narcan. So sometimes you tell them, I have Narcan, that gets their attention. But let's assume that they don't respond to my yelling. Hey, are you okay? I have Narcan. Then I do the sternum grub, uh, rubbing my fist on their chest for 5 to 10 seconds. If they don't respond to that, that's it. That's a clear signal. This person is truly unresponsive. It's medically appropriate to give them Narcan, assuming they're also not breathing very well. Uh, medically appropriate to give them naloxone narcan while i'm waiting for the ambulance mm-hmm. and i'm going to call 911 whichever's faster if my narcan is ready to go and my phone is dead give them the narcan right away then go find a phone if your phone is ready make the call and then go get your narcan if it's nearby
1: now someone let's say now let's continue the scenario someone has, has done the the chest rub they have seen no response they've yelled at the person said they've got narcan nothing they administer it What would someone anticipate, like what's the next thing that they could expect to see from this person?
0: So it's difficult to answer that because Mm. there's so many different things that can happen after you administer naloxone. And definitely depending on your training level, there's different things that you might want to do in this situation. But let's say the person's not CPR trained, um, you know, we're we're probably going to be on the phone with 911 at this point. So, you know, throw the phone on speakerphone. That's very nice to be able to do that. Um, and you're going to be keeping an eye on this person. Generally, if you're not going to be doing rescue breathing or CPR um, in this situation, we're going to recommend placing them in the recovery position, which is going to be on their side. Okay. Um, a lot of times what can happen, as Chris mentioned, is we can um, unfortunately induce opioid withdrawal if someone is opioid dependent with naloxone. Um, and in that situation, we can see vomiting prior to becoming responsive. And we never want to leave somebody on their back. Um, mm. They're not going right. to be able to protect right. their airway at all. So we're going to recommend placing them on their side and then still keeping an eye on them. we're going to be looking for improvement. So we're going to be looking for changes in their breathing, um, hopefully for them to start to move around. um, And generally especially with this uh, formulation of naloxone. It is a very concentrated, very fast-acting version of this medication. So we would be looking for a response to this fairly quickly. Within about two to three minutes, we should hope to see a response, uh, meaning that person becoming responsive. Um, And if we're not seeing that, then we can consider giving a second dose, and all of our kits are always going to have two doses of naloxone in them.
1: Okay. when you say see uh, if they're going to be responsive – Do you recommend someone trying the sternal rub again, just if they don't see them literally coming to and moving on their own, or that's unnecessary?
2: We want to see them breathing on their own. That's the key. If they're not breathing on their own after two minutes, after 120 seconds, then we give the second dose in the other nostril. We want to give it in the other nostril, maybe start left, then go right, because maybe that first nostril doesn't have good access to the mucous membrane somehow. Maybe they got a head cold. Maybe they have something like a deviated septum. We give the second dose in the other nostril. Hopefully it has better access to the mucous membrane.
1: So that, you know, that's interesting too, because so something for people to know if you're going to administer naloxone, it's in one nostril. It's not like it's half on one side, half on the other, just all boom, right in one side.
0: Yes, that's correct. There's other formulations of this that have been given differently. Um, the last version we handed out several years ago was half and half, and this oh. one is going to be the entire dose into one nostril. And you actually don't have any other choice. When you press the red plunger on this medication, mm-hmm. it does come out very quickly. Oh, okay. So you won't have the option to do half and half.
1: Gotcha. All right. So th- this, I think this has been great. I mean, I, again, it's hard when you don't actually see the trainers showing you, you know, what, what the administration vial or whatever you call it <laughs> looks like and how to use it and such. But uh, this has been very helpful, I think, hopefully for a lot of people listening. And the, 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 what I want to leave people with is how they can have a training done for their organization or their school or, you know, what, what do they need to do? What, can they just reach out to OASIS?
0: Sure. So we offer training virtually once a week. We started that during COVID, and we've decided to keep it as mm-hmm. it's actually been pretty effective. Um, the date and time will vary, um, and certainly if you link things anywhere, we can send yeah. you the the link for that. Um, but anyone can attend. And uh, following training, we do email out or we do email information to people. But we will also mail a naloxone kit to those who attended, so they'll receive that in the mail. And we also talk about local options for how they can receive uh, a kit or obtain a kit locally we also host private training so you know we'll go to uh, the public library if we're invited there and they'll invite maybe um, you know the community center staff or whoever else might be in town that might want to attend uh, or we'll have um, different organizations reach out to us different businesses that want to host it for their staff Um, And any private trainings I typically schedule. So I usually just tell people to email me, which I can also give you that information. Yeah, we
1: can share all that. That's great. And I think the online option is is tremendous too, because like you said, the easier you can make it for people to learn, the better, you know? Uh, So we'll we'll close with this question. Um, The whole idea of this is to save a life and doing these trainings, I would imagine you've heard stories from people who have been able to administer naloxone and indeed, Reverse an overdose and 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 save a life. Hearing from these people, what, 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 what has their kind of reaction been like, knowing that they're able to play that kind of role?
0: I would say it's a mixed reaction. Yeah. Um, what typically comes to mind for me is actually like being on scene with friends or family members who've just administered naloxone to, you know, their friends or family members. And a lot of times in those situations, you know, people are still very kind of confused and just all of the human emotions that you can have just happening at one time, um, you know, excited because a person is alive. They've survived the situation, but also now scared. What do we do now? Um, and, those types of situations um, really make it so clear that this needs to be so accessible. We don't want to, you know, tell someone to jump through all of these hoops to go find this medication, um, especially if, you know, the pharmacy is not open because it's 4 a.m. or something like that. So those are the situations that really come to mind for me. Um, and I would say, to answer your question specifically, they feel all, all the things at one time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's not as simple. Hey, I saved a life. I feel great. I mean, I, you know, because the situation is is traumatic. Uh, but glad to know that they can also sense that what they're doing really makes a difference.
2: Yeah, uh, I want to echo what Mandy just said. And and some of the folks who come to me after a training, they just lost a loved one the day prior, and they are crying and they are touched. Uh, and they are telling me, I wish that my loved ones had known uh, that calling 911, you w- you're not going to get arrested when the police show up. They're going to basically confiscate any drugs on the scene, and then they're going to leave the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, people are so grateful to learn about harm reduction, about the ways that we can build more resilient communities by getting the basics of harm reduction out there. Hey, friend, never use a loan. If you're gonna consume unknown substances, you know that's your choice what to put in your body. Please, I don't want to. I don't want to see you dead. Please, never use alone. Always use with a buddy who has Narcan. Uh, uh, if you're uh, using with a buddy, take turns, stagger your use. If we get two people using at the same time, that's when we get two dead people. Mm-hmm. Go slow. Uh, especially with a new batch or a new seller that can be a bad batch that can have something you're not expecting. Yeah. It can have more than what you're expecting, more fentanyl than what you're expecting. Or if you're talking about cocaine or molly or a pill or something, it can have fentanyl in there that you're not expecting. You mm-hmm. can lose your life. Things like neverusealone.com is a 1-800 number that people can call 800 They can go to neverusealone.com. Look it up. And they're going to have a phone number that they can call if they are alone. They want to consume an unknown substance. They call the number. They get an operator. They say, hey, I'm alone today. I don't want to die. I want you to stay on the phone with me for 20 minutes while I go consume. Mm-hmm. If I don't get back on the line, something's wrong. Send a, a ambulance to my address. I was just at a training the other day. The guy told me that his neighbor got a knock on the door at 2 a.m. It was police. He said, what's up? Police told him. Somebody sent us to your home from NeverUseAlone.com. Is there anybody else home with you today? He said, yeah, my son is upstairs. They went upstairs. His son had overdosed. He used the number. They saved his son's life right there with the Narcan. Without that phone number, that guy would have woken up to a dead son. We can truly build more resilient communities by getting these tools out into our communities, out from our our minds and into our communities. And uh, we are here to support the people of New York.
1: Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. It's all about making sure the resources that are there, people are aware of them, can access them, can put them to use. Uh, clearly the work that the two of you are doing is a huge part of that and we're so appreciative of it. And uh, so happy that you came on today to talk with us to let people know that all these resources are out there. Certainly the information, Chris, that you shared, I know also oasis.ny.gov. You can go to the harm reduction pages there and get even more information. Um, This was great, and I hope very helpful uh, for all of our listeners. Thank you both so much for being with us today. Yes, thanks for having us. Thanks, Jerry. And we still want to stress the purpose of naloxone trainings is to increase the number of people who know how to use naloxone and to save lives. If you're interested in learning more about naloxone or the trainings that we have available, you can go to our website. That's oasas.ny.gov. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Addiction, the Next Step. I'm Jeremy Gretzinger. We'll see you next time.